every bite that your child takes counts, particularly, you know, as we're focusing on here in these first two years. Welcome to Kidding Around. I'm your host, Dr. Candace. I'm a pediatrician, wife, and mom, joined by pediatric experts to discuss your kid health concerns. Let's jump right in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kidding Around. I'm Dr. Candace, and thank you so much for listening. Before we get started, I want to share that this podcast episode is a collaboration between myself, Dr. Candace Jones, the Kidding Around podcast, and the National Cattlemen's Beef Association on behalf of the Beef Checkoff, Beef, It's What's for Dinner. As a pediatrician and a consultant, my role is to share the science and support for beef role in a healthy diet. So joining me today is registered dietitian and mom, Amy Cefeli. Amy is a mom to three kids, a registered dietitian, and a member of the nutrition team at National Cattlemen's Beef Association. As a dietitian, she sees how important it is for each of us to prioritize our own health and wellness by focusing on the elements of our health we can control, like making smart food and diet choices, creating time for physical activity, prioritizing a good sleep routine, and implementing ways to mitigate stress. And then as parents, teach and model these behaviors for our children. In her role at, role at NCBA, Amy has had the opportunity to work with the beef culinary team and especially enjoys cooking with her family, finding ways to pair up their beef recipe favor, favorites with produce and dishes like flank steak, fajitas with colorful sweet bell peppers, onions, spicy pico de gallo, cool crispy lettuce and creamy avocado, and flavorful beef and broccoli stir fry, including fresh bell peppers, sweet onions, ginger, and garlic. Oh, that's making me so hungry right now. <laughs> In her free time, she also enjoys running and coaching a kid's running club and cooking and exercising as in all of our life style choices, she believes it's the seemingly little things we do that all add up to make a big impact on our health and our enjoyment. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Candice. Um, it's such a it's such a pleasure for me to get to be here with you. And I got to say, it definitely um, it ups my coolness factor with my own kids. They were like, no way. <laughs> How cool. But you know what? You guys seem to be having a lot of fun at home cooking all of these recipes using beef. Um, so I can't wait to hear some of your expertise today and advice you have for my audience and, and parents and families. For sure. It's uh, all about trying to teach them skills that, you know, that they can go off and use once they get big and are independent and, you know, having fun while they're, you know, here and, be, you know, doing these things together as a family. That's right. So as I said, you're a mother and registered dietitian, and you manage nutrition research and science communications for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. So you understand both the importance of good nutrition and the challenges many parents face when it comes to mealtime. Can you tell us why good nutrition matters so much in early childhood? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I first studied nutrition science and, and 
study to become a registered dietitian because I believe good nutrition impacts our health and our overall quality of life. And now as a mom too, I can, I can actually see this in my own kids. But in the early years, good nutrition is important, not only because it provides essential nutrients that an infant needs um, for their growth and development, but also because for babies, it also fuels their learning and their discovery. They experience their world by touching foods, tasting new flavors, discovering new colors, shapes, and textures. Um, so, you know, when we become parents for the first time, certainly, you know, our hearts grow, of course. Um, but, you know, so do our roles and responsibilities. So I, I kind of feel that we always need to ground ourselves and keep in mind that as their parents, we are their biggest teachers and their biggest role models. So when we think about our health and wellness and we kind of step back and we're like, oh, we've got all these things to teach them, but you know, what, what do we really need to teach them? We can look to how we manage our own health and wellness and realize that in that, under that big umbrella, you know, there are some elements that we can actually have some control over. And one of those main elements really is the foods we choose and our diet. So we can choose the, sh the foods that we shop for, that we prepare, we learn to cook, and then ultimately consume. And, you know, our, our own choices, our individual choices will help then to help define our health. And, you know, ultimately as parents or moms, our, our goal is for these tiny newborns that we bring home um, to grow and develop and thrive. Um, so, you know, in this role, teaching and modeling healthy habits to our children, I think about it and I like to frame it in this way when we think about nutrition. Every bite that your child takes counts, particularly, you know, as we're focusing on here in these first two years. And why do we say this? We say this because, you know, um, in that first year alone, Baby's growth is tremendous. Um, their body weight may triple, their length more than double, and their brain size increased by, I think it's like 40%. You know, so a focus on good nutritious foods, nutrients, and feeding skills are of high priority to us as their parents. Absolutely. That is so important. Um, so, I get a lot of questions along those lines, and you, you're you're right on the um, at the point where I start having these conversations about navigating the transition from breast milk or formula to solid foods. Parents want to know when it's appropriate to start introducing solids. What should they be feeding their children, and how to do it safely? What advice do you have for parents about when they should start navigating this transition? Yeah, I mean, um, so it's funny, you know, um, you go to a store and you look at all these, um, you know, different chairs and spoons and bowls and cups and it's you're like, oh, it's a lot of things. So then you're like, when do I need or use all of these things? I'm sure as a pediatrician, you get a lot of questions about this. And as a pediatrician, um, you know that AAP recommends up until about six months of age, um, infants would rely solely on breast milk or for infant formula for all of their nutritional needs. Um, and then at around six months of age in that four to six months window, but often closer to six months, um, 
the infant starts showing signs of readiness, like they start sitting up, they can hold their head up unsupported, they, they open their mouth in response to seeing food, like wanting to, wanting to taste what you've got. And um, um, so once you start seeing those signs of readiness, then you know that baby is ready and, and you want to start with offering some complimentary foods. And we like to advise you to introduce a variety of nutrient-dense complementary foods because not only do these foods provide important nutrients, which we'll talk about more, but they also um, provide exposure to new flavors, new textures, and that may lead later in life to a greater acceptance of a wider variety of flavors and foods and help reduce picky eating later on down the line. So both um, the AAP and the most recent Dietary Guidelines for Americans recommends that parents focus on introducing nutrient-dense foods, including foods like vegetables, fruits, whole grains. And importantly, the Dietary Guidelines for Americans highlighted in this most recent edition, meats like beef um, during this complementary feeding transition particularly to help ensure adequate intake of important nutrients. Um, the key nutrients found in beef like iron, zinc, choline, and protein are especially important in infants who are exclusively breastfed because breast milk is not a good source of these nutrients. Um, as you transition to this period of complementary feeding, um, you know, focusing on foods like meats, like beef, that have these nutrients is particularly important and something to think about and, and focus on. Um, in fact, um, our nutrition team at Beef put together an infographic called Making Every Bite Count with Beef, and it helps to illustrate some of the points that I'm trying to make, if, you know, you can include it for your listeners to, to take a look at, too. I will definitely do that, and we will put it in the show notes as well so parents can look at that and share on social media. So that's a great point. We love the resources. <laughs> so as you said, at six months, parents are ready to start feeding their baby solid foods. Should they be focusing on rice cereal? That's kind of the traditional things that people do, and I see that in a lot of my patients. Um, jarred or frozen baby foods, and what types of foods are best among these options? There, there's just so much out there to choose from. Uh, that is so true. I mean, living in these times, and, and particularly as a new parent, when you haven't seen all of these things, the options feel endless, and it, and it gets confusing. Um, you know, and and to add to that, you know, um, our advice on feeding has evolved and it's changed over time. So then sometimes that adds to the confusion. Um, but really, foods that you're already preparing for yourself and your family are equally nutritious for your for your baby. That's beginning in this stage of complementary feeding. Um, introducing foods during this time is a whole new world, and it's a great learning opportunity. Just think all of the different colors, size, shape, texture, flavor, they're all new experiences and they're beginning to learn more and experience more um, about the world around them. Um, make it your goal to introduce your baby to foods from all the different food groups. There's lots of different resources out there. There's, um, I've seen this challenge of introducing 100 foods before the age of one as one example. Just make sure that the foods that you choose have no added sugar and little or no added sodium as well. 
Um, but in addition to choices of foods, there's also choices um, for parents to make in terms of the feeding technique that they may choose. A parent-led spoon feeding technique is a choice that we're all familiar with, but there's also um, styles like baby-led weaning, and, and then there's hybrids of both of these techniques. But regardless of what feeding style that you choose, um, textures of the foods you introduce will be modified according to baby's developmental stage. It's important that over this time period of complementary feeding, like so six to 11 months, that you introduce baby to a variety of textures because this really safely supports their developmental needs and it helps lay the foundation for the acceptance of textures and flavors down the line to develop healthy dietary patterns. At around six months, when you're first beginning this feeding process, parents should start with thinly pureed, like kind of more watery texture foods. And once the baby develops uh, some proficiency with the thin puree, you'll kind of get a feel for it. You can advance the thickness. And usually it seems like it's around eight months. Baby can move on to kind of soft, chopped or ground solids, like tender cooked ground beef, for example, maybe steamed carrot pieces or even little bits of soft avocado. Um, you want pieces to be soft, cooked, something that they can pick up because they're also learning that grasping technique and then they can then you know they're ready for even smaller soft foods as they develop that i think that's a wonderful tip because you know as a pediatrician i'm always trying to explain about the correct size as well so that the baby won't choke and so i love that you look at this from a developmental perspective is the baby ready for this are they ready for this size, this texture, this shape? Uh, and, and one of the rule of thumbs is um, as children get older, you know, up closer to the year where you're starting to give them shredded or pieces where they can grab with their hand and put it in their mouth, that, you know, you make sure nothing is as large as the tip of your finger, right? And it's soft enough for them to mash because they may not have teeth. And it's not a size that could block their airway and they can choke on. So I love that de developmental perspective. It's not what you want to give your baby or what you think they like. It's a it's a process, and it's and they are learning from eating um, when they try different takes, taste and textures and sizes and colors and all of that uh, good stuff. It's so fun. It's so much fun, and they make a mess, but it's so much fun. <laughs> Like, you know, when you pull out the finger paints for the first time, yeah, you know, it's going to be messy, but you know, it's worth it because it is fun too. And they're learning and we're all learning through it. <laughs> we're training them to eat and we're hoping that, you know, by the time they hit a year and they potentially come off of breast milk or formula, that they're ready to go and they're eating on their own and maintaining their own nutrition. And you've set the foundation for all of that. So all of those points and, and, and words of advice you just gave are so important for families with, with infants and starting this journey of in, introducing complementary foods. That was very helpful. Now you touched on the, the important nutrients found in beef and you've worked with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association on behalf of the beef farmers and ranchers for several years. Why is beef an important first food for infants and toddlers? Why, you know, I don't think a lot of parents consider it as something they could use in those early stages of giving complementary pureed foods. 
I agree. I, I don't think, you know, particularly when we're talking about um, past guidance and past traditions that that beef necessarily, um, you know, comes to mind as one of the first foods that you feed your baby. But over time, there has been strong scientific evidence that show that first foods that contain iron, such as beef, they can help maintain adequate iron status and also help prevent um, deficiency in that in that first year in particular. Iron is an important nutrient because it's essential for growth and neurological development as well as immune function. And iron deficiency, especially in children two years of age and under, can have significant and irreversible effects on brain development. So, um, in, you know, in watching my own kids grow, I, I think it's really fascinating to think about you know, really the miracle in the continuous growth and development that's taking place. Um, different authoritative bodies, including American Academy of Pediatrics, the World Health Organization, um, and USDA at, through the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, um, all recognize the nutritional values of meats like beef as a prime source of nutrients that particularly many older breastfed infants, they're at risk of falling short on. And, and these nutrients include iron, zinc, protein, vitamin B6, vitamin B12, choline. These are vitamins and minerals that are essential for healthy growth and development, and they are often under-consumed. So this makes a food like beef that contains all these nutrients really something to consider and something crucial to include in a diet. Um, but beyond its nutrient benefits, which I which I keep talking about, beef delivers also um, new flavors as well as textures that can support the growing infant's motor development, um, their discovery, their learning, and certainly their acceptance of new foods and flavors in their diet. As parents, you know, um, those looks that our babies get on their faces when they're tasting something new in particular, but sometimes um, even just a different preparation of something, it, it's kind of quizzical, sometimes it's really happy, sometimes it's frowny, but signs, those kinds of signs are all the connections that are being made and learnings that, that they're experiencing in this process. And so if we can offer them, you know, the right foods and offer the right nutrients, we're fostering that process for their you know overall healthy growth and development that that is so true and i think it just highlights the importance of opening up the things that we offer to our baby um you know going back to parents not thinking of beef or meat as a first food and so we're making that clear today guys that meats including beef you should consider as a first food when you're starting to introduce solids or complementary pureed foods. It is a good source of, of these um, essential nutrients that uh, Amy has just mentioned. Um, and, you know, we have evolved in medicine, as she said, um, you know, we used to tell people years ago, even in my early training, um, years when I was training, to withhold certain things, right? You know, nuts and eggs and, and different things. Withhold these things. It's too early for the baby. Don't start this until after one or two years or three years. We don't do that anymore. So this is a newsflash for people that are just hearing this. We don't withhold foods anymore. So you don't have to start with rice cereal. You don't have to withhold meats including beef, um, you can start with whatever your family eats. Like you said, Amy, you know, 
Feed them what you eat, but make it the right size and the right texture that's uh, in line with them developmentally. And certainly talk to your pediatrician about the way to do that and some of those options. And again, the resources that we will provide from this talk today so that you can open that up and have a, a few more options and have fun with it. Now, you mentioned the importance of iron for infants and toddlers, but I see um, also teenagers, especially girls, who sometimes... Um, are, are iron deficient, right? Um, and for various reasons. And so can you speak to the importance of iron in older kids and teens? Yeah, I mean, this is such a great transition because the early years and the teenage years, they actually have a lot of parallels, which seems like really, but, but they do. Um, just as Early infant and toddler years are times of tremendous growth, learning, and increasing autonomy and independence. So are the teen years. You know, so there's a lot of the same processes going on. And just as we are, just as I'm talking about saying every bite counts in the early years, choosing nutrient dense foods and making every bite count is similarly important in these teen years. Um, adolescence both boys and girls um, are looking for areas um, where they can exert or assert independence, autonomy. And, and this includes an area commonly, one that they can exert this over is their diet. Um, but concerningly, as toddlers and teens experience these periods of transition where they wanting more choice over the things that they're doing, they want greater autonomy, they're facing vulnerabilities related to healthy eating habits because of their desire to exert independence over their eating habits. For example, toddlers um, are famous for going on food jags, maybe wanting to eat the same things day in and day out. Right. And in the same way, teens can be highly influenced by, by their friends, by trends or fads, or you know maybe even wanting to go eat out with their friends. And as a result, because of you know, this desire for greater independence, these two age groups in particular can be at risk for certain um, nutrient gaps, you know, especially for essential nutrients that are important, really important for them to help them grow, develop, and ultimately reach their full potential. Adequate iron intake remains one of the most common nutrient gaps for both of these age groups. And it can have significant detrimental and in some cases, irreversible effects. So that's why we really wanna draw attention to this. When we're, when we're talking about teens, um, meat and beef intake often drops in teen girls because they're becoming increasingly aware of diet trends maybe and fads, you know, and, and, and these things sometimes promote emitting entire food groups. And, you know, the take home message is, you know, we want our kids to consume a variety of healthy foods, lean proteins like beef, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, dairy, because all of these types of foods contain different nutrients, complementary nutrients for growth and development. 
I, I think that's so key to have a wide, a, a diet that's a, of a wide variety. And I love how you said that. Um, and we know teenagers kind of, and young adults even, follow these trends. And I've seen some people do some things, you know, along those diet fat uh, uh, phases. And it's it's like, no, this is too limited. It's not going to give you everything you need. And so we definitely need to, to branch that out a little bit and have a wide variety of foods that we eat. Um, we need a little. We need a little bit of everything. So let's switch gears again um, uh, and talk a little bit about mealtime. It, it's sometimes stressful even for families and, and especially new parents. Um, while picky eating seems to appear around two years of age, and I think maybe sometimes earlier than that, those teen years can be just as challenging as food aversions crop up. Why is it so important for parents to not give up and stay focused on getting as much nutrition into meals as possible? Just give us some, some ways to look at this and, and helping our kids um, fighting that picky eating um, trend that usually happens happens with young kids, but also with our teens? Well, you know, it's it's tricky because as parents, we we have many roles. We're the bedtime storytellers, we're the house cleaners, we're the clothes washers and the taxi drivers, and the list goes on and on. Um, but in that mix of the everyday chaos, we also, you know, we really need to prioritize planning, preparing, and enjoying serving healthy meals and foods to our kids. Um, so I think when it comes to mealtime, that looking and that planning, preparing as a whole family um, together, it, it, I think that's the key because, um, you know, a lot of research has shown that um, in serving these healthy family meals together, there's it's often linked to higher academic performance, um, even greater intake of fruits and vegetables, and and even um, you know something that's an important conversation that we have today: a lower incidence of obesity. Um, Mealtime is definitely you know as a dietitian, I, I'm I'm constantly talking about it. It's of course important from a nutritional perspective, but also that time around the table that we share together or the time in the kitchen we spend preparing the foods, it, it's a time of social, emotional, developmental, cultural togetherness. You know, it's the ways that we're sharing our experiences together. So, you know, prioritizing that time, it, it, it goes well beyond nutrition. Um, so without a doubt, mealtime, it's a prime opportunity for parents to positively impact their family's health. But most of all, make it a time to enjoy being together, enjoying food and, you know, make it as healthy and nutritious as possible. Yes, I think that's so important. I love how also even in the purchasing of the healthy foods, right? Um, yeah, yeah. In the preparation, like you said, cooking together and then sitting around the dinner table together. I think those are all um, different times where we not only teach our kids, but also model to them um, healthy ways to eat. Um, and so, it yes, that dinner table, that mealtime is so important, as you said. And and I love how you mentioned the the we have an obesity uh, crisis, a childhood obesity crisis, and we know that uh, 
buying healthy foods together, preparing them together, and sitting at the table and eating together uh, helps to counteract and, and may help to uh, prevent obesity in children. So I think that's so important. Great points there uh, to push for everybody to get back to the table, right? Together. I mean, it is something that you have to make time for, and it isn't going to happen maybe every night, but but you can make it something that happens, you know, most of the time, you know? Right. That's right. And, and whether you believe it or not, um, when your kids are having these picky moments, just by having you there and eating some of the food or playing with some of the foods. You know, I love the songs that promote kids eating um, foods or having interactive type plates. There's so many things that you can do to help your uh, picky eater eat. And starting together is the best way to do it. And, and I love, my daughter would pick, we would go to the grocery store and I'd say, pick one thing, you know, or my son. And I remember once he said, what is this? And it was like an eggplant, right? And I never prepared an eggplant. <laughs> and he liked it because it's purple and the shape and the color. And he said, what does it taste like? I said, I don't know, but let's do it together. Let's get it. Let's get a recipe. Let's cook it. And we did. And he tried it because he picked it, because he got the recipe, because we prepared it together. Um, he didn't like the taste much, but he ate it because he cooked it. So I... I the yeah, opportunity to try something new. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's really what it's all about, you know, because over time, you know, maybe he'll have it, he'll decide to try it again, prepared in a different way, you know, and go. Oh. Yes, right. yes, yes, yes. We, I know it's easier said than done sometimes, um, as some children really have and families have real challenges around pickiness around mealtime. Um, I, like I said, I have many parents come to me feeling overwhelmed with mealtime. They see parenting blogs or social media influencers preparing these big multi-course home-cooked meals and they feel, you know, guilty about getting takeout. Um, there's a lot of pressure on parents to be perfect and it can be easy to get frustrated when a picky eater won't try vegetables or, or something like that. Or you've suddenly become this short order cook. I only want fries or I only want, you know, chicken tenders or something. And, but you prepared the wonderful beef stir fry with vegetables and they don't want that. And it just can be overwhelming for parents. What advice do you have there for these parents? Well, Honestly, we, first of all, know we've all been there, right? We are all in that moment at one time or another, definitely multiple times. But first and foremost, you got to take the pressure off of yourself because parents absolutely do not need to be perfect. That's not what our children need to see. I mean, I know my mom taught us and I'm sure your mom taught you that nobody is perfect. You say it over and over again. And it's easy to tell our children this, but yet not give ourselves that permission to be like, I don't have to be perfect. So I think that's the first and foremost thing to really internalize and, and make true for yourself. I, I, I can take that pressure off myself. But also with that remembering that as the parent, as the mom, as the dad, you know what is best for your child and for your family. And so I think feeling confident about that, that you are you are equipped to make the best choices for your child and your family is something that's really important to to have in your heart for a while because that will that'll help lead you during those moments of struggle. Um, and also remembering 
that each and every meal is a new opportunity for nutrition, for enjoyment, for fun. So if this one isn't perfect, you know, you'll kind of muddle through and you'll get through this one. And, you know, there's going to be another meal down the road where you're, you'll all start fresh. Something at my house that we like to do, we like to watch cooking shows like Worst Cooks. And, and these shows, in a silly way, help to highlight that anyone and everyone can truly learn to cook, even people that have never prepared anything before. So it doesn't need to be elaborate. It doesn't need to be um, Instagram-worthy. Um, you know, and in the process, in that process of learning how to, to choose, to prepare a food, you know, um, it can be fun. It can be funny, it can be silly, and it can be fun. The, the great thing about food is it's kind of an art, it's a science, and it can be a comedy all blended into one. So, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It really is a process. Um, so maybe if it's something that you guys all contributed to, um, to this meal, whatever it actually looks like on the plate, it, it is something of beauty because you guys created it together. Um, you know, for mealtimes at my house, we follow a, a one meal for, for all approach where everyone eats the same meal. So I stay consistent with this as much as possible because I think my kids need that sort of consistency from me. Um, and, and it starts with really every week I sit down and I, and I menu plan and make a grocery list over the weekend. And, um, you know, I'll kind of ask everybody, I'll ask my husband, I'll ask the kids, you know, is there a particular meal you'd like for us to have for dinner this week? And, you know, so I, I kind of got their buy-in and their contributions in that way. Um, and at that time, I also look at our schedules because definitely some nights are easier than others. So sometimes maybe I'll plan to use the slow cooker or I'll plan leftovers for nights sometimes as well. Like I'll make more of something when I have more time and I'll put it either in the refrigerator or freezer so we have a planned leftover night. Now, when you have an infant in the household, you may need to make some texture modifications to some of these dishes based on their age and where they are developmentally. But as I said, all foods can really be adapted for this. For picky toddlers, offering a variety of foods from different food groups, including one or two that you know that your, that your toddler enjoys, um, present it maybe in a different way or offer different flavors together. Over time, repeated exposures without pressuring to eat. And this is the hard part as the parent because you see the food there and you know that they're hungry and you know that they need to eat. By offering repeated exposures without pressure, you're, you're encouraging them to, to try to taste and to learn to accept these new foods. And yeah, it might take a few times with different new foods, but, but keep trying and try to stay patient knowing that this is part of the process. A good tactic to try is letting the toddler choose between two different food items, like an apple or a banana, or you know some roast beef or some roast turkey, cheese or yogurt. These all have common nutrients in them, but um, it offers them some choice. Um, but most of all, as, as hard as this is, not pressuring your child to eat or even to try a new food um, because it often backfires and leads, leads to them refusing it. So, so try your best to be patient and just kind of go with the flow. For teens, they, like I said before, they're just like toddlers. So 
adolescents too, they're striving for this independence and they like to sometimes exert more control over their diet. So again, this staying patient, remaining positive, continuing always to offer um, healthy foods, that is the real key. As with toddlers, you know, maybe sometimes offering them a choice. Maybe they can have um, the beef fajitas or they, you could make a ground beef taco salad another night. Offering them some choice and making them a part of the food planning and purchasing and preparation sometimes helps, you know, because they are a part of the process and they feel like they've been able to exert some control over the kinds of foods they're eating. I think overall, the important takeaway is as parents, you know, we, our job is, I guess, really to encourage and provide access to flavorful and, you know, since I'm a dietitian, nutrient dense foods. This helps to teach our kids, you know, what healthy dietary patterns look like. We just try to encourage them to participate and, and, and choose healthy foods and this will help fuel their growth eventually into happy, healthy, independent adults. Those were great tips. They definitely are uh, great for setting a firm foundation for healthy eating practices for a lifetime. So I think that's what's key. It's giving parents where to start, the basics of how to do it, and, and, and just go from there you know, earlier in what you said was meal planning and prepping and giving people choices. So you're kind of knowing what you're cooking this week or having what you need and you have the options there. And, 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 you know, your kids understanding that once we've decided this is what we're cooking, this is what everyone's eating. So I love that proactive approach. Um, so that cuts down on you're on a mad dash scramble right before you get home and then you're more likely to get something fast food because you don't have anything at home to prepare, right? Um, and, and giving this person this thing and that thing because you don't have a full meal ready to be given. So I love that proactive approach. The patience is a given. I mean, patience is, like you said, key for all of parenthood <laughs> and persistence as well. But I love it in the setting of healthy eating and teaching our kids good nutrition. Um, because in pediatrics, we say, you know, you have to offer a new food to a child, an infant and a toddler, uh, 10 to 15 times before they will accept it. And sometimes you have to vary how you give it or with a different color, And but you don't give up. You keep introducing it and at some point they will take it because again, they change and they're growing and they're developing and their tastes change. And then just because you keep trying, they just give in and eat the thing. <laughs> right? They really do. And you're trying to be fun and, and doing it together and modeling. So all of these principles that Amy have talked about today come together um, to help you and your family make sure your children are on the right nutritional path when it comes to eating. And, and the big point is that consider um, meats, including beef, as a first food when you're doing that.
there's so many things that you can do with it and it has uh, so so many essential nutrients in it that is helpful to your kids so this was great 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 all around Amy thank you so much for joining me today we covered a lot of good nutritional information as I've said um, but listeners should be sure to check out the show notes and visit beef it's what's for dinner.com for more information including resources and recipes for feeding your family. Amy, you have any final words for us? Oh, I just want to thank you so, so much for having me on today. And I hope that the information I provided was helpful. And um, I just really appreciate being able to talk with you today, Dr. Candice. Oh, you too. And yes, it was helpful. And thank you so much again. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please stop what you're doing and subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. And follow me on social media at Dr. Candice MD. For more information about me and for more kid health information, go to my website, drcandicemd.com. Thanks for listening.